Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS revolution. I'm your host, Alex Sumer, and today my guest on the show is the, the CEO of two companies uh, based out of Boston, uh, creates some awesome content. Uh, you've probably read you know, some of his content on, uh, uh, on his company blogs and, and runs a SaaS conference as well called SaaSfest. Uh, welcome to the show, Patrick Campbell, CEO of Price Intelligently and ProfitWorld. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate no, it. Yeah, you're welcome. Good to speak to you, Patrick. So, so Patrick, I mean, before we get into this, two companies, uh, isn't that a little greedy or, or, or just, <laughs> just plain hard work? Yeah, actually, so it's funny. Is it's actually, technically, it's one company, um, but it's two products. And, and it's, um, but I think, you know, referring to it as two companies is, is definitely the feeling because um, what we've been able to do is, is basically kind of over the past three and a half years, we've been building for the same type of customer. Um, and so one offering the price intelligently side where it's a, a software that helps folks with their pricing um, has, has really been funding the business. And then ProfitWell, which is a new product we launched about a year ago, is kind of our future in terms of getting more scalability. So um, it's, it's, I don't think it's quite greedy necessarily, but it's definitely something where uh, we've been we've been kind of building for the same customer, and and we'll see what happens in the future. But, um, we'll we'll kind of have these parallel paths until we merge them or, or decide what to do next. Okay, all right, good stuff. Well, uh, I, I mean, let, let, let's uh, get a little bit of an intro into um, you know price intelligently and uh, and, and profit well uh, as well, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Price Intelligently, we're a, a software company that um, combines not only our software, but also some services to help folks basically build out their pricing. And so um, we've done, you know, build up monetization paths and models for companies like, you know, Atlassian, New Relic, Big Commerce, all the way down to, you know, some of the big up and coming growth companies like Wistia or Litmus. Um, and that's kind of our focus there is, you know, long story short, we build pricing models. And then on the ProfitWell side, it's essentially financial metrics for your um, billing system um, for subscription businesses. So you plug it right into your billing system, whether it's Zora, Stripe, Braintree, or even use our API. Uh, and then once we get all that data, you get free access to your MRR, your churn, your cohorts, all that kind of fun stuff. So that's kind of the uh, the unabridged, rambly version of, of both companies, essentially. Okay, very cool. And so, so today... Uh, and we've we've not done it before. Um, you know, we're going to talk about pricing and 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 SaaS pricing to be specific, or B two B SaaS pricing. Um, and uh, you know, I've, I've had founders ask me about pricing at meetups. You, you know, it seems to be a problem. And you know, also on the SaaS Founders Club Slack channel. But you know, I'm I'm not the guy. I'm 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 by no means an expert at pricing. It's too too difficult and complicated complicated for me. But you're the go. <laughs> you're the guy, right? You're you're the guy in pricing. Yeah, that's what they tell me. I don't. I don't know. Uh, we. Uh, I, I love. You know. I love talking about this, and it's something where we we probably think about SaaS monetization more than anyone else out there. Um, that's kind of our, our little bread and butter. Yeah. Okay, so so let, let's get into it. Let, let's talk about um, SaaS monetization and, and, and pricing. So, you, you know, it, as it seems to be a problem with uh, many founders that I've, I've spoken to, you know, is pricing the most difficult thing for a founder to create? Um, I think it's. I think it is mainly because it's. It comes down to understanding your customer personas, and I think a lot of founders and companies 
although they they claim to know their user personas or can can sometimes give you know some answers to hey who who are your buyers um, most of the time they don't they haven't done their homework in depth enough to truly understand their true buyer personas or quantifying their buyer personas as we say and as a result then if you don't know your buyer then you don't know how to price that buyer and so I would say that's that's why it's so difficult and I would say the other aspect is it's because it's so central to your business. I mean, everything is either driving someone to that pricing page or justifying the price on that page. Um, a lot of times there's some analysis paralysis that comes in that makes it even more difficult. So um, there, there's a lot of stuff that's difficult for a founder, but I would say this is definitely one of the most difficult ones. Okay. And, and I, I, perhaps there's, uh, or, or there is, you know, a, a link there in, you know, Lincoln Murphy, he talks about, you know, one of the first things, you know, creating this ideal customer profile. So understanding the customer persona, you know, one of the, the, the first steps there in, in, in getting the pricing right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the there's a little bit of misnomer and, and Lincoln talks about this a little bit in some of the content that he writes, but it's not just about you know, a pretty avatar and a cute name like Marketing Mary or um, Sales Steven. It's, it's, it's about actually getting down to the nitty-gritty unit economics as well as collecting market research around these folks because, you know, you almost can... Um, you know, get a false positive where, you know, oh, I have like, yeah, we sell to Marketing Mary and um, it gives you a little bit of a false sense of accomplishment when in reality you need to understand like which aspects of Marketing Mary, you know, what company size, what's her role, what she does every day, you know, what she cares about, her willingness to pay, all that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, absolutely something to start with and, and that's where Lincoln, you know, kind of kind of has a good spearhead into, you know, something to do to, to make sure you're building that engine of growth. Yeah, I think I had a drink with Marketing Mary once, uh, but uh, it, it didn't go anywhere. Um, yeah, she's quite a good last. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. Last, no worries. Um, but uh, so, uh, you, you know, you, you researched, you know, the three pillars of, of growth, which are, you know, acquisition, monetization, uh, and retention. Um, you know, and, and through that research, uh, as I understand, um, that you found that a 1% growth, you know, in each of those pillars that the, the largest increase in the bottom line of a, a SaaS business was through monetization. Um, you know, it's the biggest increase by far. So wh why was that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, I mean, there's, there's two ways to look at it. I mean, the, the most basic way is, you know, in, intuitively this makes sense because imagine, you know, you, you have 100 customers all paying a dollar. Um, you know, if you add five more customers, you know, you're going to have $105 a month. But if you double your price to $2, all of a sudden you've gone from $100 a month to, to $200 a month. And it's not always the easiest to do, but, you know, just very intuitively that makes sense. But I think, you know, taking a step back from a strategic standpoint, I think it, it, it the data shook out to be that way, mainly because what what you look at from kind of a, a customer acquisition cost perspective, as well as from an acquisition frame of reference, is that a lot of times it's not about acquiring those new customers. It's it's really about one how you retain them, which is still better than you know the acquisition side of things, but also how you make money off of them. And and most of us, just as you know, you kind of alluded to previously, aren't that great um, at at monetizing our customers. We're just all worried about trying to acquire them when you know in reality that might be the reason that you know your business goes down because you're acquiring too many customers at such a poor cost so uh, okay and, and so what, why are SaaS companies you know continuing to miss out you know on, on the huge percentages of revenue you know because of the these issues in, in pricing 
Yeah, I think it's, I think, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons, I think. I think it's a lot of times just not dedicating enough time to pricing. Um, it's something where, you know, we talk to companies all the time and we ask, oh, when's the last time you, you know, you looked at your pricing and they say, oh, you know, five years ago. And it's like, oh my God, like, you know, your product has changed so drastically and you've improved it so much, but you haven't improved the very exchange rate on the value you're creating, which is your price. And so I think it really comes down to that, that lack of priority and focus. And, and people think it's a hell of a lot harder than it really is like it's not difficult to implement some sort of a pricing process it's something that's you know very very similar to the regular customer development process it's just we didn't get you know taught pricing in school or not a lot of people teach it you know even in, in their blog posts and educational factors so that you know people think it's this big black box that they can't approach so I would say those are like really the two foundational causes I think the other reason, too, is that we get so sucked into acquiring more customers um, that we become what we like to call these CAC fiends, these customer acquisition cost fiends that, you know, it's all about logos. But a lot of times, if you don't have a lot of funding behind you, which is, you know, 99.9% of us, and I'm talking like not like hundreds of millions of dollars, like eventually you're going to have to monetize and get your unit economics in check. And um, it's just a little bit harder. That's why it's not the path of least resistance. Okay, and uh, and so you mentioned uh, there. I think you know, so one example. You know, perhaps a company hasn't looked at their um, you know pricing for five years, right? So that that would be uh, you know, given the pace of change in today's world, you know, a bad example of um, you, you know having you know a, a pricing sort of strategy, uh, right? In, in in one that just you know put it up there and not look at it. But what are what are some you know other bad examples of, of, of SaaS pricing that, that you've seen because you've been exposed to a lot of this, right? What are what are the mistakes, you know, terrible mistakes that people are making yeah. without naming names? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you, don't, well, you can name names, actually. I don't really well, care. We could, yeah, we could <laughs> name names. I might get in trouble. But uh, no, um, I would say, I mean, just to... Just to kind of categorically like look through it, I mean, from from a customer perspective, I think the biggest things are whenever you go to a pricing page, where you're left thinking, you know, wait a minute, what are they selling me, and and how much is it? Like any confusion um, is you know is is definitely a huge mistake, and, and that's probably the hardest one to figure out because. You know, you could have phenomenal product marketing and you can have phenomenal just, you know, structure around your pricing and it might make a whole lot of sense to you financially. Um, but if you have a persona that's that's coming to your page and all of a sudden, you know, he or she just doesn't understand it, you know, that's a lost opportunity. And, and so I, I would say there's a lot of like cosmetic things to fix. I think, you know, other big mistakes that a lot of people make from kind of a, a business perspective are, you know, too simplistic of pricing, kind of the opposite effect where it's, you know, only one tier, for instance. Um, if you only have one tier, that means that, you know, you're, you're, you're basically averaging that willingness to pay when, you know, I guarantee you there's, you know, some, some people willing to pay much, much more, you know, even for, you know, simpler things to implement like priority support or, you know, maybe API access. And, you know, there's probably a, a good swath of people willing to pay less as well that you're missing out on and so um, that's another huge mistake that we see um, for a lot of pricing that that's out there in SaaS because people try to get too simplistic and I think other than that the buyer persona is, is probably the bedrock problem is that a lot of people you know we walk into companies even you know companies that are about to IPO and you know we ask hey who are your buyer personas and a lot of times they're you know oh they're developers 
you know, and it's it's one of those things where you ask what kind of developers, and you know they can't they can't even go any deeper than that, and you know it's a good sign that they grew the way they they grew based on you know just really heavy customer acquisition costs. So I would say those are the three biggest things that we see, and um, a lot of times those those things can be fixed fairly easily just with a little bit of work that has huge payoffs. Okay, what what are what are some great examples? You know, give me name. Uh, a, a customer, or it doesn't have to be a customer. Name a SaaS company, you know, that has got the pricing right, so that the listeners can, you know, refer to their website, look at their pricing, say, oh yeah, you know, th- th- yeah. Th- this is right. Absolutely, I think a, a really good example is actually a company called Wistia. So they do video hosting and analytics for mm-hmm. marketing companies, um, and they also just have really, really good, you know, product marketing, educational content. If you're, you know, doing video and marketing, um, but. What's really fascinating about their pricing is that they have these this thing called a value metric, and, and a value metric is a really important piece of, of your pricing, and it's essentially what you're charging for. So a really simple example is if you look at a CRM system like Salesforce, you know they charge per user, for instance, and as you add more users, your cost goes up. Um, and with Wistia, they're charging based on you know kind of a combination, and I know they're going to be changing this in a little bit, but a combination of, of bandwidth as well as number of videos. And what's really cool about that is it guarantees that you're not charging someone like the Disney Channel um, the same amount as you're charging you know Johnny or Jane's startup um, because of that differentiated value. And um, that really, really helps them bake profitability and, and revenue expansion into their product by making sure that they have that value metric. Um, some other really good examples, I think, if you look at any of the companies, um, and Salesforce is included in this, but like Atlassian or HubSpot, um, these companies that have reached a point where they have the ability to cross-sell a lot of different products, um, meaning if you go after a similar type of customer persona, um, all of a sudden you can you know, sell them um, you know, one product, for instance, like the HubSpot marketing suite, uh, and then start to sell them the sales tools or other products on top of that because you're you know either a tangential buyer to that original buyer or it's the same person and I think that differentiation and that that product suite really really helps them um, be successful and I think even you know on a B two C side there are a lot of really good companies doing some really fascinating things even with simple pricing um, you know and, and one that's kind of it's still a B two B but they've taken a lot of B two C practices is like Slack for instance you know everyone likes to talk about how successful Slack is and, and one of the big reasons that I would argue is that their pricing model is set up so elegantly where they have a free kind of plan that brings you in and you can technically use that forever with your entire team um, but as soon as you upgrade it's not like Ten dollars a month to them. It's you know a minimum of probably about a hundred and you know fifty bucks to them all of a sudden per month because you're upgrading an entire team to uh, a not so cheap point. And so um, those are a couple of examples that I would I would kind of you know look at as you're considering your own pricing. Um, and even just taking a little bit of each of those you know can really help you help you kind of grow. Okay, great stuff. And and, and for the listeners, uh, you you know at home or wherever you may be, uh, you know have a look at Slack at Lassian or and Wistia, if you haven't already, look at their pricing and uh, you know see um, you know what Patrick's just mentioned there and uh, and how these guys uh, uh, have got it right and uh, and going from I guess we went we started off with some bad examples, given some good examples, going to another you, you know say maybe not the greatest example here you know it's something that I read in uh, one of your blog posts recently where you talked about you know good product and good product marketing doesn't necessarily mean that you have good pricing. 
right? And, and, and this was a little kind of, you know, case study call out of, or, you, you know, Intercom. And, and apologies, Intercom, got a lot of friends there, but you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, some valid points here. You, you happy to kind of, you know, go through, um, uh, I guess, kind of a, a summary of what you meant by that? Yeah, definitely. I, I think I lost a lot of friends there with, <laughs> with that post. But um, no, I, I think what, what we meant, and, and it's a good point to kind of clarify as well, is you know, if you look at Intercom's pricing, and they wrote a really good rebuttal to, to what we wrote as well, which was good to see, um, they, they have made some decisions that make perfect sense from their financial perspective mm -hmm. and from kind of their monetization perspective. So for instance, you know, if you look at their their product, you know, they have four different products right now or four different kind of entry points. Each of those four points have two different um, versions, like a basic and a pro. And then there's this element of, of users, for instance, that, you know, so if you're on pro, um, you know, feedback, you also are, are priced on your number of users. And what's interesting, and, and this is kind of what they said in their, their rebuttal was, you know, they they have done all these tests that make sense from a growth from their pricing perspective, but from an outsider's perspective, which we were kind of speaking on on our front, you know, it can be really confusing, right? Because if you go to a page that has four different options and then each of those four options have two options and then those two options also have this user element, you know, that can get confusing. And if, you know, you look at, you know, other people who have talked about intercoms pricing, you know, that's what they normally harp on is that confusion factor. And this brings up a really, really good point though, because there are some things that you're going to do or you should be doing with your pricing that regardless of certain personas' feedback, you should still be doing. And um, that was kind of what, what popped up after that we wrote that article was, you know, a lot of the people who were, you know, maybe complaining about their pricing just weren't the right customer for them. Um, and that's something that's really, really important because um, a lot of times the, the biggest choice that you're going to have to make, and I think Intercom does this really well, is um, especially with their product background, is who should they be going after and who should be their target customer. And everyone else just, it's not that they don't necessarily matter, but they don't matter right now, if that makes sense. And so that's why I think like their decision and what we were harping on was more, hey, this is confusing if a general person comes to your site and, you know, they, they can't, you know, they frankly were just kind of like, well, that's okay because we know that this works from our perspective financially, which which was interesting to kind of see kind of the, the back and forth a little bit of that as well. Okay, okay, interesting. I, I missed the uh, the rebuttal there, but I'm going to have a look at that, um, you know, after, uh, after after this podcast call um, and, uh, yeah, see, uh, yeah, see what they said there. But uh, imagine, you know, good product or great product and great product marketing with great pricing, then that, that would be something, right? Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> um, guess I didn't really answer your question, did I? I just kind of talked about the situation. Yeah, but, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I guess to, to speak to it, just to give an answer to it, I think that, um, you know, you got to align, and I, I always am going to harp on the buyer persona, and, you know, I'll, I'll get, I'll be a broken record with it because I think it's that important. But, you know, for them, like, some of their product marketing, their product isn't necessarily targeting um, you know, it's, it's, it's more of that halo type content that brings in a lot of different types of people like buffers really good at it as well, where all of a sudden you bring in, you know, not just people who are your target customer, but all kinds of other folks. And there's a, there can sometimes be a little bit of a disconnect between the people coming in with the product marketing and, you know, your actual buyer. And that's where you get a little bit of friction, um, that, that can kind of offset that perfect alignment. So that's kind of a, to speak to your actual question there. Okay. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Now, I, I know, uh, well, you, you've spoken about 
three ways to to better monetization uh, before. Um, you know, what are they for, for people that, you know, don't know, haven't, you know, heard you talk about it or, 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 or read your, you know, content around that? Yeah, so I think there's there's a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of entry points, but I think, and I've harped on a couple of them, um, the buyer persona, that's, that's the first thing, mm -hmm. like making sure that you understand those buyers. And um, now I'm starting to annoy myself by how many times I've said it, so that works. <laughs> um, the other thing I alluded to is that value metric. So, you know, really making sure that your pricing isn't flat. And what I mean by that is you can still have feature differentiation, uh, but somehow have some sort of scalable metric. And it could be visits, users, um, although users isn't always the best one. It's, it's actually more commonly not the best one unless you're building a sales or, you know, kind of a help desk product. Um, it could be, you know, API calls. It could be just another of things that, um, you know, allows you to basically get that information through the door and, um, you know, make sure you bake scalability into your pricing. And then a third one is, is basically it's, it's really simple. It's just making sure that there's some sort of a cadence to evaluating your pricing. So we recommend, you know, no matter your size, having some sort of a pricing committee could be made up of just the two founders or it could be made up of, you know, for a large organization, having a member from each of the main organizations of marketing, sales, finance, product, and just making sure that they meet, they collect some data each quarter. Um, it's no one's full-time job, but they just really look into different problems with the pricing because it's it's not something where all of a sudden you're going to get these huge gains by just doing one thing. It's going to be a series of different iterative um, implementations that really, really help make a cohesive monetization strategy. And um, so one, you know, one month you might be changing, you know, your discounting and promotion strategies. The next month you might be adjusting the levels of your value metric and all of those things add up to really, really huge gains with, with growth in mind. No, I like that. And you, you mentioned that it's no one's full-time job there, but have you seen a, a head of pricing, uh, you know, before, or, you know, do you envisage that, you know, in the future there will be a head of pricing or, um, you know, is that not going to happen? And would that put you out, out of the, out of business? <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're building ProfitWell, yeah. right? So, um, no, so we, I, I think that pricing used to be handled by the marketing team. Um, it used to fall under what they called the four P's. Um, but now what ended up happening is um, the rise of product organizations, you know, especially in software, you know, product is a lot closer to the customer typically um, because that's just the nature of building a good product. Um, and so it, it started to fall a little bit under product, but that kind of transition made it kind of fall under no one's purview. Um, and the problem is, is that um, in a really large organization, you can afford to have someone on pricing because you should, because there's someone who should at least for, you know, 60 to 70% of their job be focused on running tests, looking at data, you know, putting into implementation different pieces of, of feedback and things like that. But normally if you're not someone who has multiple different products or a large customer base, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense to have someone, you know, running that full time. And the reason for that, too, is that pricing is so kind of cross-functional that even though, you know, sales or marketing or product might be kind of the main point of contact around pricing, you're going to need input from, you know, finance, you're going to need input from all those different pieces. And so long story short, I, I, I mean, until it becomes a huge, you know, issue or opportunity to the point where one person needs to coordinate everything, um, you probably don't need someone who's the head of pricing, but you should have someone who's assigned to be the main point of contact because he or she is going to be the one who's collecting the data, running those meetings, 
proposing the different, um, you know, proposing the different implementations based on feedback um, and just making sure kind of the, the trains run on time as they say in terms of in terms of your pricing so yeah you don't need someone full-time but definitely have someone as that main point of contact or that facilitator okay uh, very good and now we're just coming to the end of um, uh, end, end of the podcast so just uh, I like sure. to sort of normally wrap it up with you know some some hints and tips uh, so what, what are uh, Patrick Campbell's pricing hints and tips and I'm, I'm not going to allow by a persona because that's my hint and tip for everyone listening. <laughs> so you, you have to think of uh, something different there. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't say that anymore because I think I've, I've, I've been the – if you <laughs> record how many times I've said that a minute, I think that's all I've said. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so here, here's a couple of things. Um, one, um, there, there, there's one part where – and this is kind of a, a preface – is hints and tips, you know, are, are only going to get you so far. Um, every time you know I talk about pricing, I always get questions about, oh, should you end your prices in nines or fives and, and or zeros? And you know, it's one of those things where it's you know the answer is it depends, but the real answer is, hey, that's like a last five percent optimization. You know, it doesn't matter if you end you know in nines or zeros if the rest of the homework hasn't been done. Um, and so, do your homework, as I've alluded to already, but. Um, what I would then do is there, there's still some basically really good hints and tips around you know just data that we've seen. So for instance, um, if you have a product or one of your tiers that's between $100 and $200, um, we've just seen just unequivocally in you know hundreds of thousands of data points at this point that your price should be at $100 or $99, $150 or $149 or $199, $200 or your tiers should be split like that. And the reason is, is because in just thousands of responses um, around price elasticity, what we found is that if your price is $130, really it could be $150. There's no real difference in the mind of a buyer. Um, and similarly, if it's at $175, there's not a huge difference between $175 and $200. So once you do some price testing and collect some data, you know, just make a choice between those three three different pillars, um, mainly because that's kind of where where you're going to be priced at. And you know, similarly, there's below fifty dollars um, from zero to twenty five dollars. It's a little bit of a crapshoot, so it's highly dependent on your customer. Um, meaning, you know, it could be ten dollars, fifteen, twenty, twenty five, just depending on the type of person you're buying or selling to. But once you get kind of over twenty five into the thirty dollar range, you might as well just be fifty bucks because there's similarly not a huge difference between thirty and fifty dollars for a lot of those folks. And then between fifty and a hundred is very similar to below twenty five, where it's a little bit of a, a crapshoot, but those are some some really like tight hints and tips that I can give you from you know the perspective of you know just looking at thousands of data points, and then I guess you know one of the last things that I would do would say is just a reminder about you know the value metric and, and implementing a pricing process because you'll just soon discover you know holy cow our discount rate is so high just because now someone's dedicated to thinking about this and you could start to make those little changes to to really kind of. You know, bring forth some really good growth. Awesome, great hints and tips there. I've certainly learned a few things uh, from that, and I'm going to add a hint and tip, uh, which is understand the customer uh, persona or your buyer persona. Um, and uh, and I think from that, you know, for the founders that uh, you know are listening, there's certainly a lot to take away there and uh, and learn and do your homework and 
uh, work on that pricing. And, and uh, if you've got serious problems, then, uh, then call Patrick because he's the guy uh, on, on pricing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I guess as we, we're sort of wrapping up here, here Patrick, um, I understand or I know that you're, you're, you're coming to Europe this, uh, uh, this year. Um, there's, uh, there's rumors of a, a, a pricing workshop uh, in April in, uh, in, in London. And uh, you're also speaking... Uh, uh, in September in Dublin at Sastock. So, uh, what can you tell us more about uh, about both those? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so we we should be doing a workshop in April, um, April twentieth or twenty first in London. And what's cool about that program is we're actually going to be walking through the details of actually how to set up this value based pricing process. Um, and so, it's it's going to be a nice live interactive way to learn. Um, how we build you know the the best pricing models out there so that you can take that back into your business um, and implement that process and also implement you know a lot of different um, you know little tips and tricks that we'll have and I think if it's in addition to that we're offering up um, a number of opportunities for you know basically one-on-one -on -one evaluations as well as workshopping so that you know I can actually go through your testing plan go through your process basically you know evaluate where you are and give you some really really pointed advice so it's not just some general kind of conversation, but can actually help you in the context of your business. So that's what we'll be doing with the workshop. Um, in terms of SaaS stock, you know, we're pretty pumped to be, you know, kind of making this entry point into Europe as we are this year um, and being able to really bring some some really sexy SaaS stats, as, as you will. Um, we have access to and, and we've, we've seen inside, you know, thousands of SaaS companies at this point. And so there's some really, really good benchmarks um, that we can start to bring so that you can you know, make sure that you're focusing on the right type of data um, as well as focusing on monetization a little bit better. So yeah, long story short, we're pumped and um, I'm actually in Estonia right now you know, speaking at a, at a conference and so we're, oh, we're, wow. all about, we're all about Europe this year, which is pretty exciting um, mainly as we, as we continue to grow the team and you know, make, the, make the leap across the pond, as they say. Awesome, awesome. Now, I, I guess <clears throat> regarding the workshop, people... Uh, you know, we'll hear about that via your newsletter on, on Price Intelligently. Um, you can hear about that first, uh, I, I guess. And uh, well, on SaaS stock, obviously, the um, you know, if you go to sasstock.com, you see Patrick's one of the uh, the twenty speakers announced, uh, you know, already. So uh, yeah, I'm super pumped uh, uh, about that as well. And great names for conferences these days with SaaS stock and SaaSfest, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll we'll take care of the the east coast of the US and. <laughs> You guys can take care of obviously uh, all of Europe, which yeah. is a good time. But good stuff, good stuff. Well, Patrick, I mean, it's been uh, you know awesome to have you on the show. Um, looking forward to seeing you in, in, in Europe on uh, a couple of occasions this year, or maybe you'll never leave Estonia. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cold here right now, so okay. I don't know about that. So. <laughs> okay. But um, but yeah. So uh, and and for uh, you know, so thanks for being on the show. Uh, you've been a great guest. Um, and, and for the listeners at home, you know, if, if you like this uh, edition of the SaaS Revolution Show, we really appreciate if you rated and reviewed us on, on iTunes. And uh, uh, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Awesome.